Welcome into this post Rider Cup episode of Big Drive Energy. It is the 4th of October. We are into spooky season fully here in America. Unfortunately, our American guys couldn't get it done in the Ryder Cup. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Mitchell's first showing of his pins and aces wares. Um, I still haven't played my PXGs, so nothing to report there. It's disgusting that I just can't get out on the golf course, but it is what it is. It's spooky season, and we've got a great episode of Big Drive Energy for you, discussing the Ryder Cup and figuring out what the United States needs to do moving forward. Um, already looking forward to the 2025 Ryder Cup, though, in New York. We're 100% going to be there. Absolutely going to make our way there and be at the next Ryder Cup, where hopefully U.S. can continue its dominance on U.S. soil, but not quite the luck that they have on European soil. And of course, this podcast is always brought to you by our great friends, Mitchell's employer, Pins and Aces. I've got the hoodie on, like I said, spooky season. This is the Joker hoodie. As you can see here, if you're not watching on the YouTube, get on the YouTube, Big Drive Energy, watch our faces. Um, I've got the Joker hoodie on. These hoodies are great because it's not only spooky season, but hoodie season. And uh, I'm sure you can speak to it well as well, but there is a great line um, of hoodies and great outerwear out from pins and aces and they've got the best stuff in the game it's all we wear on the golf course we're looking forward to hopefully continuing 2024 and having some huge events with pins and aces all around the country in all four markets of all city denver phoenix chicago philadelphia potentially a, a final culminating event in vegas um, which was one of my brainchild ideas i had today so we're looking forward to that in 2024, but make sure you check out pinsandaces.com. Use our promo code BDE, as in Big Drive Energy. That'll save you 15% off every single order, get you free shipping. Let them know we sent you to their website. They've got a new fall collection just dropped. I was wearing the fresh floral last week. Got the hoodie on today. It was a little chilly on my bike ride to work today. So make sure you're checking them out. They're always releasing new stuff. Always have stuff for the seasons and of course, all the awesome collabs, the South Park collab, the IC collab, continue to come out with awesome collabs. I'm sure there's more in the works that uh, you know behind the scenes over there. But check out pinsandaces.com, promo code BDE, save you 15% off, plus free shipping. Free shipping. It's always nice. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Buddy. What's up? First, first day showing your wares. I want to know. Like, tell me what this is like. Like, what is rep life like? Okay, first of all, what golf course was it? And the location of it, obviously, New Jersey area, but. Yeah, so it was called Battleground Country Club. Really cool spot down. Dope in, name. Yeah, 
dope I love like good names of golf courses. Like that gets Mm -hmm. me going. Like when a course has a sick name, you're like, yeah, this has got to be a cool place. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. A logo and a name have a lot to do. I feel like with your general attraction initially to a golf course, you're like, Oh, this sounds fucking dope. So battleground country club, the logo is like a cannon, old school cannon. So that's pretty cool. Um, really, really cool spot. It's down in, uh, dude, there's so many names of towns in New Jersey that are fucking insane. Like I think it's called Manalapan. Um, but there's so many A's like you could call it like Manalapan or like there, there's so many different towns with names that you just have no idea how the fuck to say them. Um, oh dude, I bet you moving out there being like not from the area you're going to get like looks from so many people of like, and you're trying to describe what a place is and, and they're like, no, that's not how you fucking say that at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the other funny thing is too, is they don't like, so there's a Northern part of New Jersey and then a middle part and then a Southern part. Obviously there's, there's not, you can kind of break it down. Well, you shut the fuck up. You break it down however you want, but nobody acknowledges that there's like a central New Jersey. Like they just draw a line right down the middle. And even if you're in the middle of the state, you're either in like North Jersey or South Jersey. Cause so today I was in pretty like central New Jersey and I didn't really ask the, the guy I met with. um, But I assumed that I was in South Jersey and it's crazy because it, you don't feel like it at all, but I was probably only like 20, 30 minutes from the ocean. So you, you don't feel like you're just in a forest like there was a little bit of an opening in a few of the trees. <laughs> like once I got into the town that the, uh, the course was in, it was actually very cool. Like pumpkin patches and some like, co- like fields of like, uh, some crops. I'm not sure what crops, but fields of crops, things like that. So it was actually very pretty and it's weird. Like, so the, the climate here, I know I'm getting into all of it, but the climate here is different down the shore than it is like North Jersey where I'm at. So, but the weird part is, is it's warmer here as opposed to the ocean where you'd think that getting further South and like closer to the water, even in the summertime near the ocean is like 10 to 15 degrees cooler. So similar to Colorado, obviously where you go up in the mountains or your higher elevation and it gets cooler versus Denver, like, it, so today it was over 80 degrees up in Morristown and it, the fucking weather out here, the humidity sucks. Like if it's 78 degrees, you're sweating your ass off. Like I was sweating my fucking bag off walking into the pro shop with my duffel bag and like my, uh, my clothes, uh, what is it? What do you call them? A little clothes rack, uh, and the golf bag that I was bringing in. So it was like very, very warm up here, but then it gets cooler as you go like further South and like closer to the ocean. So actually the leaves were turning down there. Like it's starting to get real pretty, but there's really not much like turning up here. It really doesn't feel like fall yet. Like I think later this week, it kind of gets down into the sixties and that's when I'm really going to dig my feet in. Cause I know it's been pretty chilly out there recently. Hasn't it Spence? Hasn't it been feeling more spooky season? Oh yeah. This morning it was definitely cold. Like going outside at around seven thirty, eight o'clock is you have to have a jacket on. I'm too soft for the, and even, you know, even the hardos, like the guys that wear shorts all the time, 
you can tell it's cold when they got shorts and a jacket on and on my bike path to work there was definitely a few of those older dudes with like some you know air monarchs on and their cargo shorts but they all had like jackets on so it's definitely it's the morning like daytime is still pretty hot i haven't been outside since eight o'clock so i don't know what it's like outside now uh but it it's definitely in the mornings and the evenings very cool which is my favorite and it actually rained the other day which was even incredible monday night it was great yeah that's wild considering it i mean we really never get that much rain out in Colorado, but out here in New Jersey, it fucking pours like crazy all the time. We actually are still not able to sleep in our master bedroom because the roof has continued to leak, um, which is just a fucking joke. So there, there, this has happened multiple times. I think I've talked about it before on the pod, but it's happening again. And it's gotten to the point where Missy's almost like at at the point of no return where she, when it started happening, she was immediately Googling like other apartments. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking move again. Cause guess who moves all the shit when, so when you move me. So I, I already moved. Oh, the, the woman <laughs> usually does that, right? Yeah. Doesn't she carry like the couch and shit and all of that? Um, but basically since I just moved in here, I really don't, I'm not even fully moved in. I don't even have all my shit unpacked. Um, so I'd like wonder, to, that's like the third pod you've said that. So I wonder how many pods we're going to get through before you actually fucking unpack your shit. Well, I've been, I've been so busy hitting up all these golf courses, trying to sell pins and aces. I've sent like a hundred emails to a hundred different golf courses. Um, There's this function on your computer where you can like copy and paste should be super quick. No, I, it's not. You have to, I have to send them individually, asshole. And I know I'm not good with technology, but I'm not going to send a, a group message out to every golf pro in the area. It just lacks authenticity. So I'm trying to keep it real. I'm trying to be myself for better, for worse, and uh, you know, hopefully get some sales. But I may actually go unpack some T-shirts. And it's also pretty fucking hard to unpack when we can't even really get into our master bedroom. Okay, asshole. So we've been sleeping in the guest room I actually just yesterday. So it, it is kind of funny because my girlfriend is not a, not a, a person of um, a lot, like, she's not very bougie when it comes to like, like furniture and stuff like that. Like she really just kind of deals with the bare minimum. She kind of lives a little bit like a dude. Um, like she didn't even like, she didn't have a nightstand. She, she doesn't have a nice. Uh, I like, I like that move. See, I don't. That fuck set your shit on the floor. That's my move. No, fuck that. So I went. Tell her to stop stealing my move. (laughs) Do you know what I was using as a nightstand? Was a fucking Home Depot bucket flipped over, and most of it is because if I need a zin in the middle of the night, that's what it's really for. It's to get a drink of water and then pop in another zin ski to go back to sleep. So I need to be able to reach my shit. So I've been, I put together nightstands. I've been putting together fucking everything. I had to steam all the clothes to get all the wrinkles out. I mean, I it just I, I've been fucking busy every single day doing something. So, I mean, it's always good to stay busy, but at the same time, I'm ready. I haven't played a single round of golf since I've been out here for what? What is that? Three weeks now. So we we actually have a tea time uh, this weekend on Saturday at this real really cool looking place called Skyview Golf Club and uh, just north of here, I think, but. It's supposed to rain that day. So, and if you know, you know, 
if you try to get your girlfriend into golf, it's hard enough to get them to go golfing. But then if it's bad weather, there's zero chance. Like she's going to be out. So therefore I'll be out. And it's also a little sacrilegious, like golfing on a Saturday when there's so much college football. Um, so I won't be like super upset if we cancel the tea time, but at the same time, I would like to get out and golf at some point, you know, that's kind of what I generally do in my life. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're taking the baby and going playing golf at uh, Willis case next Tuesday, a little morning back nine action. You're driving all the way down to Willis case to play back nine holes. It's like a 25 minute drive, 20 minutes. Oh, uh, I'm God damn it. I'm thinking of uh Patty Jewett for some reason. I don't know. Why. Uh, no, I, fuck that. I'm not driving okay. into an hour and a half to play fucking nine holes of golf. That's what I was thinking. I don't know how I got those two mixed up. Um, well, so let's talk real quick about our little trip we made to Chicago this weekend. Uh, the Bronco. Let's talk a little bit about that Broncos game because what a fucking complete joke uh, from both sides. It was like our defense couldn't stop a fucking runny nose uh, the first three quarters. And we made Justin Fields look like fucking Steve Young out there slinging it around, running all over the place. Uh, but then Spencer leaned over to me like, what was it middle of the third quarter? And you're like, the Broncos are winning this football game. And if we would have been playing probably anybody else in the NFL, I would have disagreed, but the bears are just going to do bears things. And uh, the Broncos ended up coming out on the, it depends on how you look at it. Cause I, there's really no turn in the season around. So it's in my opinion, I know you're some, somehow you're the eternal optimist of the Broncos, but then, the Nuggets or the fucking Avs lose one game and you're, you're, the sky is falling for you. So I don't really understand how you work, but uh, I would prefer to, to just lose and get in on the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I don't know about you. Well, here's my thing. And that is funny because thinking about it, I'm like the eternal optimist for the Broncos and the Rockies, who are the worst teams in Colorado yeah, right now. But, but the best teams, I'm like, fucking whatever. I'm like, oh, they lose one game. They're fucking not a contender. Fuck them. Um, I, I can no. actually find the text in, in my phone where remember when the Nuggets had like a four game losing streak and you go, we'll be lucky to see the second round. I was like, you're disgust. And I know that I probably shouldn't air that out because you are a huge Nuggets fan, but sometimes you're just your snap reaction takes are so fucking bad. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't be allowed to give a take on a game for at least uh, it, depending upon my alcohol consumption level. I should not be allowed for 12 hours to give any sort of public take on on my team's games absolutely not no um, but you're definitely a recency bias type of guy but no let me uh give a few thoughts on that broncos game so i left that stadium just in a sheer happy mood for the first time and it felt like a long time with a broncos game and here's the thing like maybe i am a homer i'm i know i'm a homer especially with the you know the four major sports teams, I, I always try to see the good in them, no matter how bad they are. Rockies are horrible. Uh, but I don't think, and I really believe that I could argue this with any logical person. I don't believe the Broncos as a team yet with Russell Wilson at quarterback are worthy of a number one pick. Like, I don't think they're number one pick bad. I, maybe I'm wrong there, but like when I look at that roster, like this whole Caleb Williams thing, like we know the Broncos and having Russell Wilson are going to win three to four games. Like they're legitimately not the worst team in football. You look at some other rosters and granted, like the Texans are playing pretty good, but like the Panthers, 
the Bears, the Falcons. Like you look at some of these other rosters and you're like, eh, they really don't have anything. The Broncos have weapons on the offensive side. They've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's not playing like a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he, they have one. They've got good running backs. You know, Jaleel McLaughlin is now like the talk of the town, which is awesome to see an undrafted rookie. Uh, but they, they're just not – they don't have the vibe of a number one overall pick team, and I never felt that way. And, yeah, they were 0-3, but the fucking Bengals were 0-3. Is everyone talking about them tanking for Caleb Williams? Now I know they have Joe Burrow. It's different than Russell Wilson, but for fuck's sake, this team is not that bad. Like – they they are really not. They there's an alternate universe where Will Lutz has made a few kicks and Russell Wilson doesn't like fumble one ball to allow a little momentum to go the commander's way, and this team's three and one. And people are talking about how good they are. You know, yeah. so it, it, and you can't argue with the wins and losses. They're one and three. They're not good. I'm not arguing that they're a good football team, but the the you know, the Lions of old, the 0-16 team, like, they're not that bad. They're not that close. And their defense is struggling right now. Like, they need to get Justin Simmons back ASAP because we can see that, you know, the whole pass defense and has gone down and then the rush defense isn't great. They got tore up on the ground by Khalil Herbert uh, this past weekend. But I just think overall, like, I, I never thought this team was a, a, a Caleb Williams number one overall pick team. Now, maybe if Russell gets hurt and they're playing Stidham and, you know, a couple more guys go down, then it's like, all right, you know, I could see a, a path where this is realistic, but they just don't seem like a number one pick team to me. Because what do you do? You, you put a $40 million quarterback on as a second stringer, as a coach? You don't. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying they're stuck with Russell Wilson, but he's also not been the problem this year either. No, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you at all, but I could foresee it where there, there's no worse place to be in my mind in sports than being a decent to shitty team. Like, you either got to be the shittiest or you got to be competitive. And I think that the Broncos are, are not at the level of competitive this year. Um, sure. Yeah. Like you said, we're going to win four or five games, but what the fuck's the point in winning four or five games when, if we can, you know, and I, I honestly predicted it, um, on my Twitter, big drive, Mitch, that I said that Jared Stidham would be our starter by week nine. And it might be for a different reason. It might be not because Russell's that bad, but it might get to the point where say we're two and seven, what the fuck's the point in jogging Russell Wilson out there every week with his huge contract when, you know, like he has something to play for, but the Broncos have nothing to play for. So I would just sit the guy. I'm sure he probably wouldn't want to play with a record that bad. Like he doesn't want to get hurt for no reason. So if I, if I, I think if we're that bad by the time uh, the middle of the season rolls around, then I think we just, Fucking throw and honestly, I thought Stidham has looked pretty darn good. I will say the the first time I really thought the Broncos could be a number all number one overall pick team was when we were down twenty one nothing to the Bears or twenty one to three. I was like, uh, they we can't do anything right. Uh, the defense looks as bad as it it has been, um, but then the Bears just went and, and did their thing. And I mean, that's the thing with the Bears is like. What do they even get from winning four or five games this year? Like, I guess, you know, positive vibes within the city, but for the overall franchise, it doesn't really help the direction of your franchise to get. It can help to get, the, you know, the sixth, seventh overall pick, but 
especially with this draft class coming up, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, if, if they don't see that they have a chance to compete and possibly get into the playoffs, they're going to try to win as few games as possible because there's so many good quarterbacks in this draft. You know, there's they could be game changers, uh, fran- you know, franchise changers coming up in the next few years. So while I did feel bad for the Bears, obviously the CHGO guys are just in hell right now. Like, I, I really don't know what to, what even to say about them. And we did kind of get into it. A little bit with the guys in front of us. They were nice dudes, but Spencer was talking his shit, of course. And then uh, uh, the guy turned around when they were up 21-3 and tried to shake Spencer's hand. But in kind of a condescending, like, you know, we both – they were they kept saying both teams suck, but it feels different when your team sucks but they're winning um, versus your team sucks and they're losing to a team that really sucks. So then Spencer kind of was going back and forth, and the guy got all pissed off in the fourth quarter when uh, Spencer was talking his shit once the Broncos had made their move. And I just thought it was funny. Like Spencer, without a doubt, finds a way to piss somebody off that's sitting around us. It's always, uh, I'm always, I had to talk to the dudes. They're, they're four older guys, probably in like their sixties or whatever. Um, I had to talk to him while you were up grabbing a beer. Cause I'm like, he, he says shit. He doesn't mean <laughs> he fucking, <laughs> Like he just gets out. No, of I meant that shit. Well, I no, not, shit. not the when I stood up, <laughs> when I stood up and said, here we go again. Like I just, it, the place was so quiet and you knew that's what everybody was thinking. And yeah. I didn't like, I thought we were going to win the game, but like, cause we're not a team that, you know, we've talked about how bad we are. We're definitely not a team that like wins games. We shouldn't, we lose games. We shouldn't. So yeah. if, if we were in the bears, if we were up 21, I mean, we've been up 21 to three already this season and lost that game. So if we yeah. were up 21 to seven, I would have been like, ah, we're fucking going to lose. But since we were down for some reason, I just had this odd suspicion uh, that we were going to come back and win. And I don't, I don't know how, but how was the rest of your Chicago trip? So the shirt Mitchell's wearing once again, I'll plug it. YouTube TV, no, YouTube TV. That's the uh, youtube.com <laughs> big drive energy. Uh, Mitchell's got the Smith shirt on. We went and had dinner uh, together Saturday night. It was cool to see them and uh, see him and Missy and and some friends out there. Uh, I don't get to see you in Colorado much anymore, so at least we can see each other in good old Illinois, and then we'll see each other in Michigan at some point later on this year. Yeah, that's not true. I'm going to be back in Colorado plenty, so don't don't pull that shit on me. But uh, yeah, the Chicago trip was great. We went. Uh, there's this really cool bar in Chicago called Three Dots and a Dash. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. No. If next time you're in Chicago, you'll have to check it out. It's a, it's like an, un, it's a speakeasy type of deal. Like you go downstairs type of thing, but it's a full tiki bar and it's all like rum, all different rum drinks, like banana rum, things like that. Uh, very, very cool. It's obviously expensive, like overpriced, whatever. Uh, but all the drinks come in like the different cool, like cocktail or not cocktail glasses, like the big Hawaiian mug looking things. I don't even know what the fuck you call them, but I got sufficiently uh, fucked up. And then obviously you had the, t- oh, we we're drinking espresso martinis at the the, uh, the Smith, which was pretty fucking good too. I mean, expre- espresso martinis uh, historically have not done well for me. I usually end up blacking out, um, but I, I was coherent. I was actually holding your son um, and trying to feed him at the same time. So that was a uh, quite the trip, but then the tailgate that 
you put on was fucking awesome. Um, I got sufficiently tuned up before we went into the game and then at, getting out of soldier field after the game is just the biggest fucking clusterfuck. Like what do we have to walk probably a half hour to get to like the nearest restaurant? Yeah. I've just never seen a, a stadium where when you're walking out, there's so like so many lanes turn into one lane is the only way I can describe it. And there's a couple ways to walk out of soldier, but like I've never been, 20 minutes out of a stadium and still in basically wall to wall traffic of people walking, you know, two miles an hour. It was the most insane thing I'd ever seen. It seems like there's like three sidewalks that are each like 30 feet wide and somehow 65,000 people have to uh, leave at the same time from those three sidewalks. Like it's just a, a fucking nightmare. So, but other than that, I love Chicago. It's a great city. I always enjoy going out there. Um, but you know the Broncos are the Broncos, so I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm ready for hockey season to start. I'm ready for uh, basketball season to start because then we got shit to watch every night. Like I love football more than just about anything in the world. But Monday, Thursday, Sunday sometimes doesn't you know doesn't get you all the way there. Like Tuesday, Wednesday are two nights where I'm just like, and then I get caught watching some fucking wrong rom com or some animated film that Missy wants to watch because there's no sports on. But usually I'll shoehorn my way into turning on ESPN or whatever sports, whatever station there's sports on, if there's a a legitimate reason for me to watch them, a.k.a. Nuggets, Avalanche, you know, things like that. So I'm just looking forward to having sports back on every single night. Like, that's just what I watch on TV, if if possible, every single night. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it is a great time of the year. Uh, October is the best sports month of the year. We were having that conversation in the office. I think Adam was ranking the sports months. And October is by far the best because in about a week and or about two and a half weeks, we'll have all the major four playing meaningful games, not only preseason games in one week. And that's like the best week of the year when you look on, you know, whatever app you use, I'm a big the score guy, but you look on there and you see like a, a World Series game and then MLB or uh, NBA regular season, NFL regular season. It's usually like a Thursday night, a Thursday night when you get all four of them. And it's yeah. it, that's peak, peak time of the year for sure. I would have to say the winter is probably the best time of, of sport for sports watching. Um, and then there's no really no golf on. Um, for the, well, there's starting to be be golf tournaments on, but they really don't mean fucking anything. Um, this is got the Sanderson farms chicken this weekend. Sanderson (laughs) farms, brother. Yeah. The Sanderson farms, nobody gives a fuck. Like the fall series is just a complete turd to me. Um, but anywho, uh, yeah, I would have to say October, November, December, cause you have full NBA, NFL, uh, NHL, Baseball just really doesn't do it for me anymore. I mean, sure, getting deeper into the postseason, but uh, all the childhood dude, all the all the dudes I watched growing up in the MLB are now gone, and I just haven't stuck with it enough to really know like who the superstars are. So the MLB is kind of out the window for me. Um, but with golf, you know, it's it, golf kind of carries us through the summer because, uh, like I said, not a big MLB guy, so. Uh, summer is just all golf for me, but what, what, besides October, what's your favorite sports month? 
Um, probably March because of March Madness. Uh, it's sad that football's over, but like March, you get that rejolt of like fun sports because uh, MLB is going into spring training. So it's like the excitement of a new MLB season. NBA and NHL are wrapping up the regular season. So getting ready for the playoffs and like that last push. And then, of course, March Madness is just the most fun. The first two weekends are just the most fun two weekends in all of sports. I think I, I think it's like the Super Bowl is cool, but it's one event and it's drug out and the whole day you have to wait the whole day. And then it's like a sad, snowy February summer or February Sunday. And you have like sadness after that. So once March happens, that's that's when I'm really into it. And, you know, I love betting on March Madness by by far. And I can't wait to bet on March Madness this year with bet three, six, five. I bet three, six, five. We don't do ordinary. We believe every sport should be epic. See for yourself when you sign up today and get three hundred and sixty five dollars in bonus bets when you bet just a dollar. We have our very own custom DNVR bet each week. Uh, we put that out there so we get our own bet on bet365. This is, of course, if you're in Colorado, use the promo code DNVR365. If you download the app, deposit $10, you claim $365 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for one single dollar. That's code DNVR365 when you sign up. Must be 21 and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. I have been on a heater gambling lately, which is fire. I wish I would have logged into bet three, six, five, but I, well, I guess depending upon if they're in Illinois, uh, a nice little live bet action on the Broncos when I was talking that shit would have been pretty choice. I think RK was saying he got the Broncos at plus 500 when they were down 28 to 14. Um, and they had all the momentum. So you could tell it was going their way, but yeah, bet three, six, five code DNBR three sixty five at sign up. And you get three hundred sixty-five dollars in bonus bets, which we're uh, we're gonna go light on the load this fall series in our Big Bet Energy, which we post on our Instagram every week. If you're not following us there, please do so at Big Drive Energy Pod. Um, but our Big Bet Energy will start again, but we're only risking four units a week, and we're going one unit on our our uh, Bet three six five bonus bets, which we'll probably just ride till the end of the year, so we can keep our units going. Um, but let's get into the the Ryder Cup and. Uh, just let's let's talk about you know uh, I, the USA. I'll start with this. The USA made it a fun watch Sunday early, very early Sunday morning, but it fell over through the first four matches. Yeah the the first day we just came out so fucking flat. Uh, I mean, there's so many different directions to start. Like, is Zach Johnson the biggest idiot in golf? Um, is Scotty Scheffler like softer than baby shit in the microwave? Uh, what else? I mean, Max Homa, shockingly very good, carried the, the American team. Um, ha- really happy for that dude. Cause he's, uh, he's always gotten coined. We talk about him all the time on this pod, but he's always gotten coined as the, the, the kind of phony good at golf guy where he wins events, but he's, he, he doesn't act like he's that good. Nobody takes him that serious. So I, I feel like this last weekend was a pretty big step in cementing him as a top player in the world. And I think that will kind of give him some momentum co- to compete at majors in these next few seasons and 
hopefully get one and kind of keep the ball rolling from there. But uh, Scotty Scheffler looked like an absolute joke to me. Um, Justin Thomas, uh, they say he's the heart of the team. They say he's a locker room guy. And I agree, like, you don't leave Justin Thomas at home, but him and Jordan Spieth were statistically speaking, um, T to green, overall strokes gain putting, uh, put, I'm sorry, strokes gain putting all the way back to strokes gain T to green. They were statistically the two worst players in the field by a pretty good margin uh, this last week. And Ricky Fowler was not very great either. And then you've got guys like Scotty Scheffler, um, Sam Burns was actually pretty good, but Scotty Scheffler, you know, he's got to play just as well, if not better than their best player. And you know, Rory had the week of his life, uh, for the Ryder cup purposes. He had never had a four win Ryder cup, which is, I mean, congrats to him. He's still a fucking fraud to me. Um, but, uh, calling out the roars, huh? Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, I actually had a few people text me after the Ryder Cup and be like, I don't like this player. I don't like like I don't like Shane Lowry. Or did Tuttle text you the same thing? I don't like Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry's like one of the most likable dudes there is. I, I, I think that maybe us Americans take it a little bit more hard and kind of take it out on certain players and be like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. It's like, well, maybe we should not like guys on our team because they fucking suck. Like maybe turn your your anger away from the European team and turn it towards the American team and figure out how we can get better because there's so many holes in that team. Like like I just mentioned, I mean, who, who else am I missing? JT, Spieth, and Fowler were all terrible. Uh, Fow, I mean, Fowler didn't even really play. Fowler only played two matches. So what do you think about Fowler conceding the putt that essentially ended the Ryder Cup? What have you seen that whole hullabaloo? Yeah, I gee willikers. Jeez. Yeah. Look at that drip. (laughs) What do you what is that from? I'll have to show you. Waxon 22 on TikTok. Funniest kid ever. Holy shit. Gee willikers. I I, you were texting me that earlier and I had no idea. Oh, you don't get it. Damn. Okay, I'll I'll make I'll send you something that'll make you get it and then you'll think it's the funniest shit you've ever seen. But back yeah. to Ricky, I mean, what do you think about him giving a putt that I mean, you didn't know that in the moment, or he probably didn't, but kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean it, it that is kind of the story of like the the US team on European soil is they just get so neutralized. Like, I mean, Brooks, I feel like is a grit guy. Um, but there's really and he no- got his but Brooks is like was like, okay, Brooks didn't play the morning of Friday. You're like, all right, come back. He played pretty well in the afternoon. I think they have that match. And then he gets his asshole blown out with Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world. The worst lo- loss in Ryder Cup history. They yeah. didn't even get to play they barely got to play the back nine. Yeah. What that, the fuck is that? And then you've got the the fucking crocodile tears coming from Scotty, like his dog just got hit by a car, and it's like, bro, you can't there's no crying at the Ryder Cup. Like this is I guarantee you the Europeans felt like they had already won the moment they saw tears coming from Scotty Scheffler's eyes. Uh, it's just a bad look for us as Americans, but you know what I'm saying? Like I thought Brian Harmon could be that bulldog kind of dude that just has the, the sort of grit and um, doesn't take shit from anybody kind of person. And he was that guy to a certain extent, but when you've got guys that, 
seemingly like Jordan Spieth looked like a 20 handicap. He, he should not have been on the course Saturday, hardly on the course Sunday. Um, Justin Thomas was what? Oh, two and one going into Sunday. Uh, just so many guys that you need to be good. were just flat out, not good. And, you know, Zach Johnson's never going to get another shot at this. So I'd be curious, you know, we'll probably get an interview from him five years down the road. Like, would you have done anything differently? And I'll be curious to see if he, he says he would or not, because the picks were questionable when they came out and then everybody somehow, you know, kind of talked themselves into um, thinking that they were good by the time the Ryder cup came around. It's just the non-recency bias, like, the further away you get from their past results, you know, the better it's going to get somewhat. But Jordan Spieth was, like I said, terrible. Uh, Justin Thomas, terrible. Um, there's just too many guys that showed up way too small in that big spot. And, and no, I feel like truly there's no true leadership on the U.S. team. Would you disagree? No, I wouldn't disagree. And if you if you look at, like, you know, we're talking about all the guys that are terrible. If you go, just let's go positive on the U.S. and the European side of guys that you thought were good in the Ryder Cup. It's like, okay, Max Homo was great. Brian Harmon was decent, like to decent to pretty good. Like the Homa-Harmon team was was great. Can't and then you've got Cantlay. Yeah, and you've got Cantlay stands out as being just great. Uh, the, the putty hit on Saturday at the end, incredible the whole hats off thing, which we'll get into. But yeah, other that than that, you're like the most electric part of the Ryder cup for any U S fan. And even for, you know, Brit British fans, because otherwise there was really not going to be much of a Ryder cup to talk about. Had he not made that putt. And even then there still wasn't um, Victor Hovland is a fucking absolute force. He is just probably he's by far playing the best golf of his life. I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable or not, um, but he – it looks like it is. And if it if it's sustainable, like if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to be a three, four, or five-time major winner at this point because he flat-out does not have a hole in his game. He's borderline holding out every chip he looks at, and T to green, he's probably the best player in the world. So if he's putting well, like we saw it at the Tour Championship, but – the dude just fucking does everything so well. It, it makes it makes it hard to think of him not winning majors like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and going to the European team on the other side of the coin, when you think of guys on the European team that were good, Victor Hovland was ridiculously good. Uh, John Rahm was ridiculously good. He turned around a match on uh, Saturday. It's weird to say, but our Saturday, essentially Saturday morning or Friday night, he turned around a match where he was two down, eagled two of the last three holes, tied that one. When every time you thought the U.S. could get momentum, they something like that happened. So Rom was phenomenal. Hovland was phenomenal. Rory was phenomenal points-wise. Uh, and then you had other guys just pitching in. Hatton was great. Um, you know, it's just like it, Fleetwood when you was look, very good. Yeah, when you just look back at it, you're it's crazy to think that I mean the US was favored because it's the US and I feel like if we're favored in everything no matter what, including world wars, we're definitely a favorite in all of those. Um <laughs> but the just like the the softness of like when you put up if you're like trying to talk about your your number one player and golf is kind of weird because 
you can have in golf, like when you have a team event like this, you can have a captain, but it, the captain's not really going to galvanize the team by talking. You know, there's in other sports, you can have a, a captain where it's like, yeah, maybe not, they're not the best player, but they provide this kind of leadership and they're on the field or doing this or that, that provides the team a spark and like kind of, like I said, galvanizes other guys in golf. You can have locker room talk or whatever, uh, you know, our boy Trumpy calls it. But it, after that, you get out on the course and um, by our boy, I just meant Donald Trump. I didn't mean actually our boy. <laughs> For anybody that was let's, curious. Let's fucking, yeah, let's back that up a minute. Um, but the like once you get out on the golf course, you're kind of on your own. And and in golf to be a, a leader and a captain of a team, like you just go out there and play well and dominate and show that toughness. And when you put up John Rahm and what he was doing versus the world's best or the U S best player and Scotty Scheffler, it was night and day on how they acted, how they played just the one of them cried. One didn't, you know, it's one cried tears of joy. One cried tears of sadness. Like it's overall, it was just kind of disappointing from your big guns and the guys that you had expected to play well. And then, and then you had some random, like, Colin Morikawa and Sam Burns basically got s- sacrificed to play Ludwig Aberg and Victor Hovland and somehow beat him, like dominated that. And that's when you thought, okay, the U.S. has a chance uh, to come back. And of course they didn't, but I do think it was at least going from, if you would have told me they were in the position, they were starting singles um, uh, after the first you know, win of win or two of singles, and you would have told me they were in that position on Thursday afternoon or Friday Friday morning. The dates got me fucked up. The first round after they got swept, if you would have told me they were, were in the position they were in on Sunday, I would have said, okay, they've they've kind of figured something out and moved moved past getting absolutely shit pumped in the first round, which they did. Um, but there was just a few swing matches here and there where it. Like I think four of the five big moments where momentum could have changed hands went Europe, Europe's way. The only one that I can think of going the United States way was the Cantlay putt, and then Rory misses, and then uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who was also great. Matt Fitzpatrick was dominant too. Uh, he missed, and the United States took that point when it looked like they were going to lose that point. So it was a full two-point swing. Um, but what is your thoughts on – the, the Rory situation with Joe LaCava and Patrick Cantlay hat, hat gate. Uh, give me some of your initial final thoughts on those. Yeah. Everybody was saying that like caddies should not like be involved. Um, they shouldn't be involved with the players. And I don't totally agree with that. I mean, they're out on the course with you. They're a part of the professional game. Obviously your caddies are everywhere with you and sure. Like if Joe LaCava would have gone over and stomped in Rory McIlroy's line, then that would be something different. But Rory just was pissed off about the situation and was choosing to get pissed off about that. He was, you know, he was trying to find a scapegoat um, for why he was pissed off, but it was really just because Cantley made that putt on 18 and then Rory didn't even come close. Um, Just kind of a, a microcosm of clutch time for Rory McIlroy. But Shots fired again. Uh, overall, I don't think that LaCava was super in the wrong. Uh, sure, he probably could have stopped a few seconds before he did. He kind of did it for a pretty long time. But obviously, the message was being sent from the fans about the entire thing. And, and realistically, it, it started 
with one journalist, um, one European journalist that said that Cantlay had this whole thing about, uh, you know, Ryder Cup players should be paid and that's why he's not wearing the hat and this and that. And I think it was just complete horseshit that was made up from the beginning and, and saying there was a bunch of dissension within the team driven primarily by Cantlay and Shoffley. And Xander Shoffley's just really never done it for me. I've never been like a huge fan of his. Uh, and it's more of just a, it's nothing about him in particular. It's just like, it's just his face. Uh, he's just got not a punchable face, but I, I would probably punch him if I saw him. Uh, he's just super, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's like gritty at all. He's kind of the California cool, like, Oh, you know, kind of like laid back and, um, it, just a weird vibe all the way around. But, uh, that honestly, the fact that there was some drama Saturday afternoon was the only reason that Sunday was worth watching. Um, so did you know real quick, cause I, I do want to talk about players, uh, that we feel like should have been there and you know who we hindsight's 2020 who we would have swapped out for who but did you know that Ryder Cup pairings Sunday singles they don't control like you don't go pairing for pairing they literally just put out an each in order of one through 12 and those guys play each other like yeah I I heard that and that's got to change that's so lame they could yeah, have had but, such better matchups for uh, TV purposes. And like when we used to do our Spring Valley Cup or Keith's Cup back in the day, we would choose, like I would choose my guy and then you would choose who gets to play them. And then you throw your next guy out there and I choose who gets to play them. Yeah, I, That's little, the way it should be done a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. 100%. Like there were so many matches on Sunday that were just so blah to me, like so lackluster and the fact they sent Scotty off first and he just gets wrecked. And that was just kind of the day in general where you just felt like you're playing from behind. Uh, but yeah, the, a lot of the Sunday pairings to me were totally lame. And like, so this is what I'm talking about with players that weren't there. Realistically, would you have taken, and hindsight's 2020, would you have taken. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, and uh, Keegan Bradley over Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and Ricky Fowler. Oh, in hindsight, 100%. And even in foresight, I would have probably taken, like Ricky Fowler kind of just laid an egg. I heard he was sick. Uh, that was kind of reported. I don't know how legitimate that was. Uh, yeah. But Ricky Fowler, it, he doesn't have the... Like the the United States just seems to have good players, but not like tough players, you know. And tough in golf, you're like, oh, it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. But like in golf, when you're getting like, I'm weak as fuck. I'm not tough at all. You're tough. Like when when you're playing golf and and you, somebody's beating you in a match, like if you're tough enough to like shake it off, realize it's one hole. You're you you made one bad swing, but it's not the end of it that's a tough golfer. And I think the United States just had a lot of guys that were like, eh, like the United States in terms of golf, I thought was in everybody thought this, even the, the sports books thought they were a lot better golfers. And that doesn't, that's not necessarily true. Um, I, I could argue that they are, but they're not better match play players and they're not, they're not 
deep down tougher and willing to win and wanting to put out more for their country or for the event than the United, the European guys, like some of the European guys, no one had ever heard of yet. They're going out there and just dominating these yeah. U S guys that have been, you know, kids as role models since they were born or since they got into the game of golf guys like Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, et cetera. Like they were just soft. And, and I was talking to, um, actually somebody on Twitter yesterday and he said, how does the U S get better? And I said, well, in general, I think it starts with figuring out a way to let the actual best players play uh, in this tournament. Now I know Brooks got to play from live, but I, I don't think, you know, 54 holes, uh, party tournaments, whatever you want to call them. They're the 12 best United European or the 12 best golfers from the United States right now, not, 11 of them are from the PGA tour and yeah. you know, there there's three or four guys that Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson come right to mind. Patrick Reed's not playing good right now, but still worth probably having on a Ryder cup team. Um, and I think it's going to get, you know, if it gets fixed in 2025 and some of these guys do play and they're still like rolling, we'll see, but it almost feels like a semi bandaid in 2025. Cause we'll be back at home. And, you know, the, the 19 to nine blowout at whistling straights was awesome. Everybody felt great about it, but then you get back to European side and you realize that we're not really as good as we, as we thought we were. And then, you know, we come home, United States comes home again to New York and Beth page in 2025 and they win again. And we're like, Oh yeah. And then we, we get duped again in four years, you know, if we're still doing this podcast and we'll sit there and I'll be fucking 35, almost old as shit. Um, probably have like a, you know, had a few surgeries by then. We'll be playing golf anymore or some shit, but, um, and I'll be like, yeah, the, the United States is going to win on European soil. And then we get an hour. I think I saw a tweet. It was like an hour and a half into the event on Thursday. And they're like, ah, we got fucking fooled again. Here we go. Like we're going to get destroyed. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it, it's all about it being two years ago. The last, I'm sorry, four years ago for the, the last European Ryder Cup, it just kind of makes you uh, forget about how fucking bad we are when we play in Europe and how everybody just comes out with no will. They look so soft. They look so fucking blah. And like first whole first match of the day, you could just see the vibe between like Victor Hovland and uh, Ludwig Ober, I guess is how you pronounce his name, which we completely butchered, which everybody just like Americanizes, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, but their vibe was just completely different uh, right off the bat. Like they, they came out with something to prove. Uh, they put their foot down and they never let their foot up off the gas. And, and the Americans just did not have an answer. So I think it's back to the drawing board. Um, I can tell you one thing. American fans are going to be a fucking nightmare, especially in the Northeast. Like whenever there's any sort of event in the Northeast, the fans are just insufferable. So you're going to have all the New Yorkers, all the Bostonians, the mass holes out at Bethpage, and it's going to be hell for the Europeans. Um, but ultimately there has to be, I, I think there was a, a change in culture. And even back in the day, the U S team, really was not good on European soil, but there's, you know, there's a difference between losing by a point and losing by six points. Like we, 
we got absolutely dominated. Probably one of the worst losses I can remember in my lifetime. So something needs to change. I think like everybody was saying, Tiger needs to be the next captain. And I don't totally disagree. Like even, do you know, what would be so electric is to get Phil as a captain. Like, I think that a lot of it the guys. Be, it would be incredible, but it's just like so far. Fa- like, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, but maybe we, I don't know. That's, I wonder when they're going to announce that, but that'd be fun to kind of go through and look at who you think is going to be the United States captain. Cause like Zach was so just America t- to me, it felt like and major championship winner. And I, I mean, Tiger Woods, is that the obvious answer? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, he could be a captain at some point, right? It. But now in hindsight, like you look at Zach Johnson and it's, it's almost like Brandon Staley in the NFL. Like beforehand, he looks like this, this like evil gene, like he's somehow like super sneaky, smart. Like he really knows what he's doing. And then the, like by Friday afternoon, I was like, could we have gotten anybody fucking worse than Zach Johnson? Like this dude has no clue what he's doing. He he's, there's no leadership. When he came out and said that he was proud of what they did after Friday that's just softer than that's just today's society in a, in a fucking, in a nutshell right there. Like you go out and get shit stomped and your, your coach says, I'm proud of what we did. What was, what, what aspect of that made you proud? Like that was disgusting. He should have. And you know, that's kind of the old school coaching way. You, you go into the press conference and you say, we were fucking terrible today. You take ownership, but then you make the players take ownership. And there's just really none of that. Like it just felt like all big pats on the back from Zach Johnson. So, yeah, I mean, Tiger, obviously if he wants to be involved, that would, nobody really trumps that in terms of, uh, you know, knowing how to win and, and having that killer instinct, but can he translate that to the U S team? Like just imagine how cool tiger would look in those sunglasses walking around. Like he's probably one of the only dudes that can wear an earpiece. And I don't think they look like a total douchebag because these Ryder cup captains walk around with these earpieces in like they're fucking CIA agents. And I think that shit is so corny. Like they just make them like, I, I understand it's a very big historical thing and it's a, a great accomplishment to be a Ryder cup captain, but I think it gets a little overblown. Like do you go do your job? No fucking nonsense. I want like, I want the Ryder cup team to show up next year, uh, CSU style in their mechanic shirts. Like I want them no nonsense, go to fucking work, do your job. Maybe we need bill Belichick. Maybe Belichick gets fired. We hire him to fucking be our Ryder cup captain because something needs to change with the the leadership at the top and like i said you have a bunch of betas uh that are co-capt or that are vice vice captains like jim Furyk's the biggest square in all of golf history uh davis love i think was another co-captain he's actually pretty solid i like davis um but then the few other guys I don't want to say Zach didn't have a great career because he obviously did, but he's just not the kind of leader of men that you need to captain a Ryder cup, in my opinion. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do what we can rehash it, but I, I think that the, the next captain will probably be announced um, sometime early next year, like April or May. Cause Zach Johnson was announced like a year and a half ago. So I would assume they'll name captains for Beth page 
sometime in the March to April region, um, somewhere around there. So then we can we can definitely discuss what we think of the initial uh, takes and and see what we can do to turn it around. But that's the thing is, like you said, we come back to America, we win again, everything's right in the world. And then we go back to Europe and we get shit stomped. So it, what's it really going to take for us to get over the hump of not only being able to win in America is really what the question is at this point. Yeah. And it's, I think it's just toughness and getting the best players out there. Hopefully they figure out the whole live situation. Two more years goes down and I bet we see, Oh, I bet. Okay. Here's a good bet. Let's, let's take this. We'll put it in our notes over under live players in the 2025 Ryder cup. I'm going to say I'll set the nut line at two and a half and it's minus minus one ten. I would go over on that. Okay. I'll take over two and a half live players, but we don't even know what the golf landscape is going to look like two years from now. Like, is there even going to be a quote unquote live tour or all these guys going to be playing all under one umbrella in certain different events? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I will say for, for that reason also, um, this whole last year in golf has just been like a fever dream. Like we don't know if we're wa- what we're actually watching is the future of golf or if it's, going to be completely different a year from now, like it is now from a year ago and so forth. Um, but ultimately like any other event, we need the best players out there playing, especially for Europe, for, for Europe, for the U S and that's going to give us the best chance to win. So I would like to, I don't give a shit. And, and that was another thing, kind of like the boys club, like Zach Johnson was kind of bought into the whole boys club scenario. And it's like, we can't have that shit. We need the best players out there. And realistically, like I said last week, if you're going to pick a guy like Patrick Cantlay, not Cantlay, I'm sorry, Patrick Reed or Bryson DeChambeau, two of probably the least like dudes in the golf world, one thing that will reunite and kind of, uh, you know, make everyone forget about how much they hate him is them playing well for the Ryder Cup team. So I think you... I think you get guys that are hated like that. Like, I think there's something to that because it's just another NFL comparison. It's like Bill Romanowski or like Junior Seau, all these old school dogs back in the day. They're like, if they're on your team, you love them. If they're on the other team, you fucking hate them. And we had like really no guys like that on the U.S. team this year. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of of getting – into the other team's head like that's half of the game of golf is being you know and the europeans are already tough to do that too especially on their home soil but having a bunch of soft nice guys like that you just super beta team like should we we should just be call them the usb that's what that's what our team is not the usa it's team usb um because that's what we played like all right before we get out of here we are going to do a fairway or four but also want to tell you guys about our great friends over at breckenridge distillery the breckenridge bourbon is the official bourbon of the denver broncos they've got a also a new vodka commemorating the first white alternate broncos helmets which will be debuted this weekend in denver against the jets i will be there watching their defense make zach wilson look like patrick mahomes once again breckenridge distillery is the official bourbon of the denver broncos you can win two tickets to the Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey Suite for the Broncos Chargers game on New Year's Eve. Uh, if you hashtag Broncos Bourbon, take a picture of yourself or what you're drinking or how you party for the game. 
And on December 1st, it'll be narrowed to 10 favorites, and then we'll get to vote on those. Breckenridge Distillery is the world's highest distillery founded in 2008, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rash, high rye mash, American-style whiskey. We drink Breck bourbon all the time. I saw it all over the place in Chicago as well. I saw advertisements for, I think we mentioned that, our Breckenridge bourbon uh, advertisement in Chicago. It's in all 50 states. If you go to check out www.breckenridgedistillery.com. You can find out where it is in all 50 states or get it delivered to your home. Um, it's incredible. Incredible whiskey, incredible bourbon. We love Breckenridge Distillery. We also love our friends over at Burrito Express down in Arizona. Um, had some had a call with the people down in Arizona today. We've got some great ideas coming up. Uh, we've got another Keeping It 100 Classic planned for next year in 2024. Of course, we're going to be down there for the Waste Management and hopefully the Big Drive Energy Golf Series that we've been talking about. They also had a meeting today with Putting World, which is apparently an incredible new... Um, Saul couldn't stop talking about Putting World and how sick it was and sending me pictures. So um, we'll do some events down there. But every time we get down to... Arizona. We always hit up Burrito Express right when we leave the airport. They have the best breakfast and lunch and dinner and late night burritos. You can find my favorites, the steak burrito with the potatoes. No cheese, of course. I'm a no cheese guy unless I have my lactate on me. But make sure to check out Burrito Express. The Tempe location is awesome. Uh, really close there to Arizona State, which is a great school. Uh, see you Arizona State this weekend on Saturday. So I'm going to be in Tempe probably hitting up some burrito express right when I land before I go watch some college football games. So make sure to check out burrito express. They have six locations all around Arizona, incredible burritos, incredible dudes, incredible company. They support local. So you should too. burrito express. All right. Fairway or four. I'll start us off this week. Are you good with that? Yeah, real quick. We got to give a shout out. Lexi Thompson playing in the uh, Shriners this week. That's going to be not this week, next week. Yeah, Lexi Thompson will be playing in the PGA Tour event. Uh, going to be awesome to see how she does and just how her stats measure up. I think, you know, like we always, uh, people like to say, you know, women, like uh, any dude that thinks that he could just beat a, a PGA, LPGA Tour player from the same tees is out of his tree. Now they are going to have some, compared to PGA Tour players, they're going to have some, she's going to have some longer hybrids in and things like that to par fours, but overall, uh, really excited to see Lexi Thompson play. Mitchell has big Lexi Thompson crush. Used to for oh, sure. Yeah. When she was at the Solheim Cup, he was fucking smitten. Poor. Oh little, yeah, I was. I guy. was all about Lexi Thompson back in the day. Uh, but the weird thing is, is she is legitimately my age, and she, I think her first LPGA Tour win came when she was sixteen. So she's twenty eight, and she already feels kind of old news ish to me. Um, and I will say, she has not had a tie. I, I kind of looked it up. She's not had a top 10 on the LPGA tour since like November of 2022. So her golf game is not like in the best of shape right now. So I don't know if I was her, if I would be wanting to do this, like she could fire a couple 83s out there if I'm being completely real, Um, which is not horrible by a lot of standards. But, you know, when you've got Michelle, Wee going out and missing the cut back in her day and Annika Sorenstam and, um, it's generally been the greats of women's golf that have done this. And I'm not saying it's, she's going to embarrass herself. I just hope she doesn't. I hope she plays well, at least well enough to, you know, have a formidable finish instead of shooting a couple 85s or whatever, and then kind of getting laughed off the course. So 
fingers crossed that doesn't happen. I've, I have had a crush on Lexi in the past, just haven't heard a lot from her. Cause she, she really has not been very good recently. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it's always interesting when you, you have a lady in the field at a PJ tour event and uh, just goes to show like, ultimately what she's doing it for is to show girls that they can follow their dreams, no matter how challenging they may be. So I totally respect that and appreciate that. Um, I just hope the golf doesn't completely shred her. So we'll see what happens, but I, I just had to mention that real quick. So I, you know, it's only happened seven times in the uh, history of the PJ tour. So. Yeah. Shout out Lexi Thompson. Um, fairway or four. She whoops that shit out of half the field. No, uh, my, my fairway or four. She meant, hey, let's wait. Let's just guess. Give me an over under on her total for two days. The first two days. She's not going to make the cut. Let's be real. Oh, you just like gassed her up. Well, okay. I'll say one. I'll say one forty eight. So that's 74 each day. 74. Yeah. I'll take the over. Let's go one seven. Okay, one seventy eight and a half. We don't like ties. This isn't fucking soccer. One one forty eight. One forty eight and a half. Yeah, one seventy eight and a half. That'd be what. That'd be for me if yeah. I was out there. That's eighty eight, eighty eight, eighty nine, eighty nine. Um, yeah, I'm still taking the over. <laughs> yeah i I think uh, I think she shoots like seventy six, seventy eight. So what is that total? Uh, one fifty four. One fifty four. Yeah, I think give me you take the under, I'll take the over. Okay, deal. Okay, fair enough. I'll buy you a drink next time I see you. Yeah, I did have to buy you drinks because you picked the European team in the Ryder Cup. I did do that on Sunday. That's fucking free money. That's yeah. The... <laughs> well, All right, we'll revisit let's, that. All right. let, yeah, let's get to your fairway or four. All right, my fairway or four, it's going to be tough to word this because there's a lot of disgusting things humans do. Um, but I think not washing your hands is the most like daily disgusting thing that humans don't do or do or don't do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, So little story time, we're at the, the Smith on Saturday night and I have to change my kid, which changing your kid in a restaurant sucks. I had to change him on Monday before we went to the airport at the fucking breakfast place we went to, no changing table. So I'm fucking knees on the floor with his little pad changing him on the floor. <laughs> fucking ass. But so I'm changing my kid and I have to wait for the stall to open. And this guy is just blowing his back out in the stall. It was horrible. Um, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to fucking walk in here and use the changing table. So I'm sitting there waiting, trying not to look weird, just holding him, waiting in the bathroom. He comes out just like disgusting man, just fucking wrecked the chitter. And he just walks right back up to his table, just walks oh. right out the door. And I, oh, I like gagged in my own mouth and I got the wipes out and wiped down basically the whole stall. Um, but yeah, my favorite four is the most disgusting daily thing. Now take a second and think about daily things we do or don't do, but I think not washing your hands after you go to the bathroom is, is, is up there. It's number one for me. Yeah, I, I would generally agree. Um, I don't necessarily want to go here, but I think brushing your teeth some people do not do on the daily that they should, um, or they don't do. You're it supposed to brush your teeth every day. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I'm sure mom paid ten grand for your fucking teeth to look like dog shit. Uh, but yeah, brushing your teeth, washing your hands, just general daily hygiene is a good practice to um, you know kind of keep going. Uh, I wouldn't give up on that one. You know, shower put on deodorant, things like that. Pretty good. Uh, 
but yeah, whenever I see a dude just blatantly, you ever see a guy like think about washing their hands? Like we've all kind of been there. I'd say only never if I'm, let's just draw the line here. If you got to take a shit in a public place and you don't wash your hands, you are like the grossest of the gross. Like you belong in a fucking scum. Asylum. Yeah. You, you, you're pond scum at that point. If you take a shit in public and don't wash your hands. Uh, but there's been a few times where like, if the sink's really packed and like, I just took a piss, I'm like, I don't, you know, for the most part, it, it's a gray area on the peeing for men. Um, and I don't really know necessarily how women feel about it. Uh, but definitely if you're going number two in public, then you have to wash your hands. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so you're on board. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Even at home. I mean, you take it a step further. You still need to, I, I don't care. You know, some people are like, well, I don't wipe with my hands. It's like, yeah, it's still pretty fucking gross, you know? So, uh, just be a, be a normal human being. Um, okay. So my favorite for is something you've given me shit for before. Uh, but my iPhone, so I'm team iPhone, you're team iPhone. Uh, if you're not team iPhone, I, I kind of have some issues. Uh, and it's kind of just, you know, what you grew up on, what you first got and you kind of get used to it and you don't want to switch, but my iPhone, and it's been like widely stated that Apple manipulates iPhones and like not working after a certain time. Um, so you have to buy a new phone because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't sell as many fucking phones and be like a trillion dollar company. But anywho. Uh, my phone is like starting to get to the point I've had it for like three years now and it's like starting to get hot when I charge it. And there's just certain things that it's just feeling old to me, but is, so my favorite four is, is three years too long to hold on to your, to keep an iPhone, the same iPhone. Um, because I'm at the point where I've gone back and forth about getting a new one. They're a thousand fucking dollars or probably closer to 1500. Now there's a thousand the last time I bought one. So, you know, inflation. Um, but I really just feel like you spend that kind of money on something. It should last longer than three years. And even like you said, your, your laptop was like taking a shit. And I was like, it's relatively new. And you're like, well, it's not, it's not new. I mean, it's not old. What, how long have you had your, your laptop? I think I've had it for four years four or okay, five, three so, or four or five. I don't know. So what do you think? Three years is, I know I you're, think, you're the I think three years guy. is three years is too long. Two years is about the, the time for me. The biggest issue for me is the battery scenario. I try to be good when I get a new phone about only charging it when it's dead and this and that. But now I'm like at a point where like I'm panicked about not having enough battery when I'm away from a charger for long enough. So I'm like always charging my phone, even if I can get like a quick, quick little, you know, 10% juice jump at, at my house before I leave. I don't know. I'm just worried about like, we're so addicted to our phones just in general society, but like, I don't, like, I can't get anywhere without my phone. If my phone dies, I'm fucking walking. You're not Ubering. You're not, you know, so it's just like for me two years, but it's more of the battery and like the cameras are so much better. Like I take a video with your phone that looks like a fucking vhs tape is playing so See, i think you gotta kind of replace that shit i i would tend to disagree with you i think you've gotten a little like you really care that much about the camera quality like just because it's not fucking 
crystal clear. How are we going to post our videos and make them look good, bro? HD 1080. We've video recorded plenty of shit on my phone that's come out just fine, so don't fucking come at me with that. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, do I just pull the trigger and get a new phone? But I, I did last time I got a new phone. I lost everything. And it just goes to show you how technically fucking inept I am because I I did not back it up properly and then lost everything. So that's really my my true trepidation uh, with getting a new phone is just the concern of of having to start from square one like that. That was like probably one of the worst days in my adult life. Yeah, the the losing your shit on your phone is just, uh, it would be a complete disaster for me. I'd probably yeah. just try to do anything I could to get a click remote and rewind life and just not get a new phone if that happened. Correct. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with it. But I probably do need a new phone at some point. My my shit's gonna just like start on fire like one of those fucking jewel pods or whatever those rechargeable uh what do you call them? E-cigarettes that have exploded in people's homes. My phone is just going to be sitting there charging and just fucking combust. So I, I need to make a move on that sooner than later. <laughs> get to the fucking store. Get yourself a new phone. Uh, make sure you're following us on your phone on all our social media platforms, Twitter and TikTok at Big Drive Energy. Instagram at Big Drive Energy Pod. I am at Big Drive Spence. He is at Big Drive Mitch. If that's not enough Big Drives for you, make sure you're following along on our YouTube as well at Big Drive Energy. Appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, it's an unfortunate L for the United States of America, but um, we are into spooky season, football season. We'll have a pod coming out for you guys next week um, after the Sanderson Farms. Uh, and look for our Instagram for our Big Bet Energy picks for the Sanderson Farms. Appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe. Give us a rating wherever you listen to this podcast. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.